Some movies are highbrow, some movies are lowbrow. Barbara Ann, take my hand. For those listening at home, this is our second take, and Cooper has been singing Barbara Ann all morning. And I will not stop. <laughs> This will be the rest of the podcast. It's just me screaming Barbara Ann at any opportunity. Welcome to Highbrow Lowbrow. Each week we pick a topic and talk about two movies that fit that topic. One highbrow, one lowbrow. I'm Josh Kirschman. I'm Barbara Ann. <laughs> and this week the topic is mid-century nostalgia. Mm, that's some sexy furniture. Yeah, it's a... Oh man, I told you I couldn't. I couldn't do it again, Josh. <laughs> you had you had three tries to make it good. This is what this should be your best it's version. It's gotten of the worse joke. every time. Mid mid century nostalgia is the topic. It also sounds like a furniture brand. It does, and that's a very funny observation. But since we, I feel like I, I, it I really did. makes it a lot funnier when you calmly call say it is very funny. <laughs> I feel like my my off the cuff joie de vivre was lost with the first take, which we were not recording. Yeah, um, mid century nostalgia, fifties nostalgia, but one of the movies actually is not did not take place technically in the fifties. In so, sixty two. Yes. So the movies are on the highbrow side. We have. American Graffiti. Mm -hmm. On the lowbrow side is Grease. 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 Oh, Grease Lightning. Uh, you know what else is a banger? The uh, Grease theme song. Oh, yeah. The actual song Grease. It yeah. is a good-ass song. I was <laughs> I was like, I think I might put this on the playlist. I totally forgot this movie starts basically... It, the, the opening of Grease is so fucking rad. Yeah. It is just like this very kitschy, very hacky, like... The oh the ocean two beautiful people of the ocean and like we'll be in love forever and yeah, it's, it's so like sweet from here to eternity right and then it's just sort of like wham bam like animated cool dudes getting up in the morning like yeah. animated fucking thing it looks like the schoolhouse rock cartoons I don't know if that's the specific animator I should have looked this up but it, it looks like Fine. it looks like the same animators as the schoolhouse it rock does. stuff yeah it looks like the very like the seventies style like animation like kind of like like with like Sesame Street intro uh, interludes and things like that yeah and it's rad as hell and the song's rad as hell and like it doesn't really fit what the movie's about no. or the vibe of the movie but I remember like I saw that and like damn sometimes the movie just tells you just to buckle up and get going, can and this is one of them. Yeah, I texted you like more movies should have animated intros. I, Every movie should have an animated intro. Oh, I agree. Yeah, could you yeah. imagine just like there will be blood? You know. Oh yeah, but down the well. house, it's a schoolhouse rock cartoon of him going down the well and then drinking milkshakes. And I'm thinking he goes down the well, he like claws his way back up, you know, and mm -hmm. like goes to town and you know like the whole the same opening of there will be blood. But then cut to an animated montage of him like growing his oil business yeah. and like having a kid somehow with some <laughs> woman who would dare to touch him. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Grease is good. Yeah, it's uh, I yeah, better than I remember. I mean, I didn't remember it being bad. I just, I kind of didn't have as many fond memories of it. I think Grease is one of those weird movies that uh, it, it I you see I've seen so much of that movie in so many different parts that I also feel like I have never seen it. Mm -hmm. Like I have seen all of it in like just through seeing it on TV, watching at a friend's house here or there. But I think this was the first time I actually sat down beginning to end and actually like grok the whole thing. Yeah. Which actually was really great because, like, I remember being just like kind of a fun musical, 50s stuff, but like watching the whole thing, you actually get just how kind of like outlandish the tone is, how much fun all the jokes are, how it is sort of like a parody at the same time. Yeah, there is actually like emotional stakes. Yeah. To a lot of it, more yeah. than you would remember. Yeah, I think part of it is that the, the songs aren't story songs, right? right? They're just totally outside of the continuity of the story. Mm -hmm. So if you're only remembering the songs, you're not remembering any of the kind of dramatic parts of it. Right. There's Summer Loving, which is like set up for stuff we already kind of know. Yeah. And then, yeah, everything else is, yeah, Grease Lightning is, yeah, we're going to have a 
fucking great car. Yeah. And that's, we're going to sing about it. Summer Loving. So I think a lot of the songs are pretty kind of fluffy and airy and don't mm-hmm. have a lot going on. But Summer Loving actually does have an interesting premise to it, which is that there's the two versions that the boys and the girls tell. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's that one, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that's actually a very interesting premise song, and they, and they do it relatively subtly, like not that subtly because it's mm-hmm. still Greece, but it's uh, they the way there's just it's an interesting kind of uh, Rashomon. <laughs> there's a, there's a little Rashomon going on in the middle of Greece. Yeah, it's good. I mean, that's sort of I I, I shudder to say theme exactly, but sort of a big uh, fuck it theme of Greece is. It's not like a battle of sexes, but just sort of like the two very different experiences of like the guys doing this very performative greaser style masculinity and the girls with the pink ladies and their whole thing of doing it. It's very much a movie about these two halves and Summer Loving like really gets at that. Yeah. I mean, I don't shudder to say that that is the theme of Greece. I think that is very much the theme of Greece. It's about, you know, the performative aspects of your personality and how you feel. I mean, the pressures of especially a 50s society to, you know, depict yourself as something that fits in and. Mm-hmm. How, you know, it, how sometimes you need to change. And I guess sometimes you just need a total makeover and that changes everything <laughs> about your life. But the makeover in the opposite direction, which is fun. Right. Yeah. Which is actually kind of like uh, American Graffiti with the little swapperoo that happens with uh, Opie and Sharky. <laughs> Sharky. What is his character? It's Richard Dreyfus's character. Kurt? Kurt. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and I do not know what Ron Howard's character's name is. I think it's it Opie. might be Steven. It's Opie. It definitely it was something like very like they say quickly in the beginning and I missed it and I'm like I know that's Ron Howard I'm just gonna call him Ron Howard that's fine Steve Steve I was right Steve uh, the funniest one is Bob Falfa which they really <laughs> really had to hold back from calling him Albert Falfa <laughs> <laughs> that is very funny um, so summer loving one more note on that because mm. I I have like an almost like Pavlovian like negative reaction to that song yes just because. Uh, if you've ever been to, as I went to a summer camp, there was like a nerd camp. It was at like University of Virginia. Shocker. And they would always do, one of the things they would do every year was like a karaoke night. Okay. And every fucking time, I went to the camp for like four years and there was a counselor there for four years. Mm-hmm. And it was the most common thing for the couples. Oh no. For camp, oh, who camper are, Who couples. are children. Yes, camper couples. Yes. Uh, who were not allowed to, there was like no dating allowed at this camp. It was only like a two a two week camp anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but hey, couples would always do summer loving together. So every fucking time, there'd be like groups of kids doing like pop songs they loved. And then it would just be like these two people who were like dating, but like not dating and not mm-hmm. allowed to touch each other. Like, well, you're my camp boyfriend. We're just like singing, singing, loving poorly to each other. Like three times a night, every fucking time. I mean, that sounds that. like the stuff of nightmares. Yeah. Yeah. It was terrible. So like, I, I, it's a very good song. All the songs in Greece rule and summer loving rules. But like, I heard that song. Like, I heard like the little like, you know, the oompa start for that Wait, song? Wait, it's not Sell- Summer Love. It's Tell Me More is the one I'm thinking of. That's Summer Love. That's the same song? Same song. Cool, great. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so confident you were with that take. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, even though I love this song, I love that movie, I was like, I got like a little nauseous, like watching that <laughs> sequence. <laughs> you know, I was just like, all right, just sheer unadulterated cringe and like, mm-hmm. like waiting for the next shoe to drop. Like, all right, we're two summer lovings in. There's no way. Oh no, back to back summer loving. Oh, God, it's like the it's like the John Mulaney bit about playing <laughs> what's new what's the cat? cat eleven times in a row in the jukebox, but it's actual children screaming it. Anyway, summer loving, but yeah, American Graffiti, uh, notably less uh, people bursting out into song. Not very much. I mean, there's a lot of. There's so many needle drops. It's basically wall-to-wall needle drops. Right. Well, because they're all listening to the same the radio, radio station as yeah. they drive around town. Which is a, a great, great framing premise for that. It's great. I love that movie. Yeah. It's so good. I mean, well, both these movies are... Oh, they have that 50s thing of, like, this very small-town community. Yeah. 
element. You know, in in Greece, you have the like local radio, the local TV station, who's like filming the yeah the American bandstand or national bandstand they right. call it. And then here you have just everyone loves this one dude, Wolfman Jack, who's like mm-hmm. this local, who's a real guy. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I looked it up. He, he he. Well, that's it's an interesting thing. He goes Richard Dreyfuss character mm-hmm. Kurt goes to see Wolfman Jack, who's like this super funny radio character who they all love listening to, and he gets there and it's just this nice dude. Yeah, he's like his Wolfman here. It's like and he. Plays a little recorder, like mm-hmm. a, like a it's tape. like a Betamax or something, yeah. Right, and he's like, yeah, he comes by, he drops them off, it's all pre-recorded. Mm-hmm. Uh, meanwhile, the the actor I looked up is the actor, the real Wolfman Jack. Yeah. But then he leaves and he looks back and he's just sit, recording it. Like, Yeah, he is. He is, he is Wolfman, Wolfman Jack. Yeah, yeah but like, sure. why is he messing with it? Is it just like... He, I think it's to keep the mystery alive. I guess so, yeah. It's I, really sweet. Because I think, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a wonderful, it's a great scene. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it is to keep the mystery alive. I guess you could maybe make an argument that since his whole he's trying to get this kid to leave the town yeah that him portraying wolfman as a man who is like goes and explores the world kind of helps his case to try to get this kid to leave yeah because he makes little points oh the wolfman comes back he's seen all these things and like i don't get to do that because i'm an older man i'm stuck here yeah you should go out and visit the world and if he was if he was the wolfman it might undercut that a little bit yeah i think that i think you've got it and i think that's Kind of gets at what the one of the big differences between Greece and American graffiti are. The only difference, American graffiti is so focused on what happens next. Yes, you know it is. We're in this very specific moment in time, and we're graduating, and we're moving on, and everybody who Kurt runs into is basically telling him what he needs to do next. Yeah, like he has that teacher who came back from college and is kind of just being a big fish in a small pond. Wolfman, we mentioned. Mm-hmm. Even like the pharaohs, that gang, we'll talk yeah. about later. Oh, they're the best. Whereas Greece is like, has no interest in, Greece is just like this hermetically sealed like entity. It yeah. is like, it's not really, no one talks about what they're doing after college. No right. one talks about graduating. Well, or now I'm thinking, so are they seniors in Greece? I can't remember now. I don't think it ever comes up. Like maybe. Um, so the one element of the outside world is all the beauty school dropout stuff. Which is like the idea of just leaving high school to, like the greater world is going to beauty school, yeah, and just going joining the workforce, mm-hmm. which she immediately abandons, right, and just comes back to this like magical school where yeah. everyone dances together to no to no consequence. It's just fine, right? Like American graffiti is like depicting this mid-century nostalgia moment, and about and looking back on it fondly, but also pointing out how like we're growing beyond it and everything changes and all that stuff. And Greece is just like, let's live in the fifties. <laughs> let's all live. Let's be a bunch of grown thirty-year-old men and women in a high school is generous. dancing. <laughs> Some of those men look like they are forty-five. I was the one guy who has the narrow sunglasses and the kind of like the curly hair. I'm like, this man has a mortgage. He's arguing with the principal. I'm like, these people are at the same age. <laughs> they have the same problems. <laughs> it is very fun. I mean, I like. That's one thing I kind of appreciate about Greece is that it's so heightened. Like they're making no attempt to actually seem like high school people, really. Yeah, which I mean, it makes sense given that it comes from a stage play and it's like a very heightened medium. Yeah, and it's a musical, which is the most heightened, at least filmic medium, because it's just like totally breaking from reality. Right at regular intervals, at the, at the turn of a dime, like yeah. at, at a moment's notice, you are suddenly in an imaginary world where everyone dances and sings and no one talks about it. Yeah, and a lot of the Greece, some of the a lot of the Greece numbers take place in. Like in like dream sequences, basically. Yeah, Grease Lightning does that. Uh, Beauty School Dropout does that. Yeah, um, probably others. I mean, at the at the last song, um, 
we go together, right? Yeah. Oh uh, god, <laughs> that, that was the one where I was like, okay, I, I actually am very much not enjoying this. They fly like, into the sky. That was. I did love that ending. <laughs> it's great. I, I God, have you ever seen Repo Man? I have not seen Repo Man. Okay, I've seen Repo Men. With <laughs> very different. Yeah, and Repo the Genetic Opera. <laughs> also very different. I haven't seen that one, <laughs> but uh, oh, I don't know if it's a spoiler for Repo Man, but there's a flying car in it. That's great. Cool. I, I don't know if that's a spoiler either because it's not really because it kind of comes out of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> much like Grease. Yeah. Uh, it's very fun. Yeah, I mean, okay, wait. Do we? Is there anything thematic to to glean from the flying car? I mean, maybe that's them like ascending past high school into the real world. Like that's that's their that's I, them going. So here's my take. I actually did have a think of thought about that um, because uh, American Graffiti also ends with someone going into the sky in a plane. Yes, yes, in a, in a thing that actually is real. Yeah, it so, took me a second, but yes, you're right. So <laughs> in one sense, there's your what there's a highbrow, lowbrow. Uh, you know, it, it's like American Graffiti is more grounded. Greece is more would be just fantastical, just for like effect, yeah. musical, whatever. Um, but also just thematically, like what they represent. I mean, he's uh, Kurt is getting on the plane and and flying away. Mm-hmm. Like he's leaving this world, and you know they have the symbolism with the white car, which we'll get to later, I'm sure. Whereas in Greece, for me, it just felt like they're just flying into their happy ending. Like yeah. they're not really flying into the world together. They're just sort of like we made it. We're off to like tackle anything we want to together because we've solved all of our problems and everything could be good for by switching uniforms, basically. Basically, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, it just they felt like. They're complimentary moments to me for what yeah. these two movies are doing about nostalgia. Yeah, and then yeah, these movies are they have a lot in common structurally at least because they're both very rambling, loosey goosey movies. I mean, I was like fifty minutes into Greece, I'm like, I wonder when Act Two starts. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, well that's the thing. It's, it's there is a... no act structure in Greece. It's just kind of there, and then there are dramatic things that take place. But, but to no of, effect, they right. just solve themselves. Well, that's kind of what I it ended up enjoying about it was that I remembered it being a lot more um, uh, just dr- needless drama between Danny and Sandy. <laughs> there's a lot of that, but there's less than I remember. Like they kind of, it's so funny because they're like his whole thing is like, well, I can't be with this girl because like I'm too cool for school and she's not. But then like they're constantly with each other anyway. They go to the dance together. I know well, they, other stuff happens. Yeah, they like turn on a dime. Like yeah. she. Uh, I mean, the part where I was kind of, I, I soured a little bit on Sandy was when she's upset. She's like justifiably upset at him for kind of like shunning her to be cool. Right. And when they're hanging out in the car, at yeah. like make out point or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then she's upset at him. He just gives her a ring and she's immediately on board. I'm like, this is actually not a like Great very depiction. favorable depiction of women. Yeah. <laughs> and that like, oh yeah, you give them gifts and they will like do put up whatever nonsense you're doing. Oh yeah. I mean, in general, Greece is much more Danny's movie than Sandy's. Yes. Uh, I think Sandy, she does have a song where she's sad about not having a man, and then, <laughs> which is super progressive. Yeah. And then, but really, it, it's like Danny the is the one who's doing the work. Are, yeah. Yes. Yeah. You're, okay. So it, I, I'm not. I don't think Greece is like problematic for women in the same because it has such great depiction of like female friendship and them all being fun with each other and like having all these different plot lines. Yeah. Uh, I, except for Sandy. Yeah. Yeah. Sandy's really not. I mean, but then you can really make a point that as Sandy as like the primary like the love interest character is like kind of the focal point in the movie and she's not very favorably depicted or at least she's not a strong character for sure well she's like by because of her character she's kind of a wet blanket because the pink ladies are so much fun they're great they are just smoking and drinking and fucking and, and having a great time and she's just like oh I, I don't know what to do you're also cra-. you know like yeah. she, that's her character she's they they rip on her for Sa- as Sandra D you know the yeah, child yeah. star um, yeah, but the the rest of the women in the movie are incredible. They're all great. They're yeah. all really strong characters in that they are often presented with uh, pretty difficult life choices and actually like, tackle them pretty head on. There's not a lot of them kind of like 
screaming and going to pieces and like being into like being like, oh my god, my life is ruined. They just kind of handle it, right? Yeah. Like I mean, the mo- like beauty school dropout. Frenchie, Frenchie and mm-hmm. her career choice, which is a you know huge life decision when you're that old. Yeah. Um, and in general, you know, career. Yeah. And then also um, Rizzo yeah. getting pregnant. Rizzo. Yeah. Rizzo. Yeah. yeah. Um, the the Rizzo, the Jizza, <laughs> right? Old yeah. Dirty bastard, Inspector Deck, the chef, Raekwon, the chef, right. you God, Ghostface. All of them are have their own stuff going on. Right. Yeah. Rizzo gets pregnant unexpectedly, and that's pretty tough. And Rizzo is trying to launch Thirty Six Chambers, which is tough when you're just recording them in the basement of your Staten Island apartment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I. <laughs> That is the joke for nobody. No one. <laughs> yeah, the overlap of people who are like love Greece and love the RZA is it might be us. bigger than we think. It's us. Actually, I'm not gonna. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe we found our audience. Like, okay, if you're a Venn diagram of people who really like Greece and people who really like the woo, is our podcast that's highbrow lowbrow? If yeah. you, that's your fucking highbrow and your lowbrow. Right that should there. be our logo. It's yeah. just like a Wu Tang and the Greece logo intersecting. No, instead of our faces like it is now, oh. it's the RZA and it's Stalker Channing. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Yes. Um, uh, what the uh, fuck were we talking right. about? Uh, shit, I had something the, to the say. The women and Rizzo. Oh, and yeah. Sandy I was going to say Danny. my one note in this movie is that she didn't get an abortion. And I, I think that was a cowardly move on the part of the writers. She just happened to not be pregnant, which is fine. That happens. But yeah. I, convenient, convenient, like uh, misdiagnosed pregnancies and miscarriages are something that kind of annoy me because it kind of allows, char- allows the writers to get their characters out of jeopardy without having to make complex complex moral decisions exactly it, the, the miscarriage thing especially because that is such a uh, especially in tv oh horrible in tv because it's that's such a really like personal and a really harrowing thing for a lot of women and just kind of throw it out there as like a as a plot solve without really grappling with it is often really frustrating and also i mean it it i, I remember some article i read that like the rate of miscarriages on tv is like 17 times what it is for like yeah. pregnancies hey, it's the same with what we were talking about cpr apparently cpr only works like 10 percent of the time yeah and people very vastly overestimate its efficacy because of how often you see it work in tv 10 percent of the time it works every time yeah okay. exactly cool um oh but then <laughs> this is like the a weird pivot into the kind of serious <laughs> thing but i will do think that the, the writers using convenient like in air quotes like um uh, plot. They're, plot solves, they're yeah. convenient. They're convenient on a plot level, not on a character level. Like obviously, it's not a convenient thing to happen to a person. Yeah. But uh, quote convenient like miscarriages. It kind of undercuts the, like uh, the idea that uh, you can have an abortion in a ethical and safe way, and that you should be able to do it. Yeah. It feels like writers kind of like not putting their money where their mouth is if they are you know pro choice, which I think they should be. Yeah. Uh. Anyway, back off from that. <laughs> you know, I'm just going to say my headcanon for Greece is that Rizzo got the abortion. Oh, I like that. That's my that's what I believe. I think that she just off screen off screen, she realized she was pregnant, she realized that her the guy, what's his name? The the, the man who was not John Kinnicky. Travolta. Sure. I like Nikki. Sure. All the men in this movie are so forgettable except for John Travolta who is the most memorable. He is <laughs> peak fuckable John Travolta. <laughs> it is wild. That's that's what I believe happened. I think Rizzo saw that this other dude, which is wasn't up to, but wasn't ready. She wasn't ready. Didn't want to bother him with the whole decision. Just like it's my decision. I'm gonna go get a quick abortion. Move on with my life. I actually like that a lot because it would also kind of make sense in universe because they were super duper illegal at the time. You could not do that easily. Mm-hmm. And um, they're in California, so they could. She could have like driven down to Mexico or something. Like it's definitely possible for her to do. John Travolta. Yeah, peak fuckable. Yeah, I mean that that scene when he is like turned away and it's just like a loving shot on his ass and he turns and his breath quite literally breathtaking. <laughs> yeah, I mean he is like, I remember watching. Um, it was like some E News something. It was like a retrospective on John Travolta. You know they used to do those like hour long like career things. Mm-hmm. 
And they had like some interview with um, like some of like the casting director at the time. And the way they would talk about Travolta was like, it was like you, they were like, like they had just found the fountain of youth. Like they just struck gold <laughs> in them hills. Like they were just like, we have found the most beautiful, charismatic, <laughs> sexy man with the strangest face <laughs> who has ever lived. We have to put him in as many movies as we possibly can. <laughs> like it was so exciting when he was just like discovered. Yeah. I mean, I would be excited too. He's a beautiful man. And also great in this movie. Oh, fantastic. He's so funny. Yeah. Uh, the sequence of him trying out all the sports I really is like great that physical sequence. comedy. I really like that he is, like, you know, as a character in-universe, just, like, really genuinely trying to change to be more, to, like, you know, fit into the world of this, his, like, love interest more. Yeah. And he's, like, really just making a genuine go of it. He just does not understand how sports work. And uh, I think it's really funny that the coach never tried boxing with him because he keeps on punching people. <laughs> Maybe they're not boxing in high school. Probably, they probably shouldn't. Yeah. But also, it's so funny the coach never tells him enough information to do anything well. It's like yeah. really good comedy that like he's like, yeah, you know, you get the ball, put in the basket. And he just like grabs and starts like puffing his chest out yeah. like a little like like a bird. It was so funny. <laughs> it's great. And he's like, you like hitting baseball. OK, I'm like, OK, that's a little bit of a sideways, like a little bit of lateral thinking there, but I get it. Like, like when they got when they when uh, uh the catcher calls it a foul ball and he just like whacks his uh um, oh the mask the mask yeah like as if he's like insulting his ball yeah <laughs> he's like a puppy he's just like a big puppy yeah but yeah I just I I really like that he's just generally trying he's not he he's not like poo pooing sports he's he's making a making a go of it he just doesn't get it that's way funnier than him just being like glum and not wanting to participate yeah and he's really trying to like make an effort to like change for Sandy mm-hmm. like it, I funny one of the like very viral like criticisms of this movie is often that like oh only Sandy has to change at the end. But really, the arc of really the, she doesn't change as much, right? The arc of the movie is he is spending all of his time trying to like feel like he's good enough for her, yeah. And at the end, she's just like, "Oh, I see why everyone likes him." Like with the race car, I see why this culture like works for him. What can I do to meet him halfway? And yeah. then they meet halfway, and yeah. the only the only thing that changes is that he takes off his like letter jacket so he can dance, which I think is not so much a character choice at the end, so much as you got that body, yeah, you got to show it off. Yeah, I will say the. Uh, I mean, maybe the one kind of similar argument, but that it's really coming out from the opposite end, is that she doesn't have a similar montage of trying to get more involved in the greaser culture. Right. Well, she doesn't decide to until the very end of the movie. Yeah, it's just kind of like a, you know, last minute makeover from the girls. Yeah. So, I mean, on the other hand, like, I don't... The optics of her going through an entire montage to try to fit in to, like, be more like her boyfriend is also not great. Yeah. But at the same time, it's also kind of just like, she doesn't get as much airtime with her side of the transformation yeah it's a weird way it's not even so much an opposites attract movie as just as like it, it, i feel like the message is almost like all this shit doesn't matter like, like yeah <laughs> these are all the same it's the 50s you guys are not that different <laughs> right it's like underneath all these different weirdly american graffiti kind of has a similar message like underneath all these very specific subcultures the greaser hairs the pink ladies the the um the you know the preppy stuff that like sandy's doing you're all just like kids who are just like dancing and want to like make out with each other yeah which american graffiti kind of has a lot of that is everyone's like has all these different kind of types that they are or like they're all kind of like puffing their chests out and whatever but they're all just kind of like kids who are just want to make out on a Saturday night. Yeah, I do find it interesting that maybe this is a function of just the fact that American Graffiti takes place in a really small town, but, um, well, maybe not, but uh, it's, yeah, it's interesting that the the core friends are from all different groups. Yeah. Like, you got the nerd character, you got the 
I mean, they're kind of like brains, but they also seem to be kind of popular on campus of Opie and uh, Kurt. Oh, oh yeah. O- well, Opie is like... Is Opie's kind of like prom king or something. He is prom king. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, Kurt is kind of like... He's like a nerd Well, he's like... Well, he's like just he's sort smart. of like the the yeah the prom king's like smart friend yeah like he's like just he's kind of like he's right kind of like bigger than the town yeah and then there's the nerd nerd which is Toad yeah and then there's like the, he's not really a greaser because he's not in the game but he is the car culture he I mean he look he looks like the greaser he's like the blue collar guy who's yeah. like not not really interested in thinking about all this which stuff. is a pretty I mean not ethnically diverse obviously because these are all deep, all deeply white people yeah but a uh, pretty diverse group of friends of these archetypes which exactly, is kind of yeah. interesting to see in the beginning because you don't expect that because mm-hmm. I remember seeing it and I was like oh like they're friends I wouldn't in yeah. this in this style of movie I wouldn't expect the greaser the guy with the hot rod to be friends with Toad and they seem to genuinely like each other and he does save him in the end yeah so that's an interesting starting point for the movie exactly yeah whereas Greece is they're all like cartoons basically yeah. i mean <laughs> but no, they, there's like like i said there's a lot of uh the distinct personalities and and character types among the women mm-hmm. but the men are there's you got danny and then a bunch of and the three stooges yeah Quite, <laughs> literally at one point they do a three stooges bit <laughs> like all the men in this movie other than danny are these just like completely anonymous like like himbos basically yes <laughs> whereas yeah but like we're yeah like all the like frenchie and rizzo and sandy are all pretty distinct people and danny is a pretty interesting distinct danny's character. pretty interesting yeah especially i mean, yeah, and we talked about his kind of transformation. Yeah. Uh, then there's the opposite gang. There's the other gang. I don't even remember what the other gang's... Scorpions. The Scorpions. Cool. Yeah. Fucking love it. Um, the other gang is looks identical to them, except for they're maybe meaner. It's like... Right. Well, it's like they're like a real rude. gang, and these guys are like a fake gang. Right. It's like they're they're the exact same... Like, it's the... the, the, the what, are, what are the greasers? What are the... What's Danny's? T-Birds. The T-Bird, yeah. The T-Birds are like... They're pretty wholesome. They just wear jackets. Yeah. They, and the Scorpions just are basically the same thing except that one guy is like personable not personable he's like yeah. rude is he also <laughs> is it, he i really don't know it? if he is older than high school or not he looks very old he looks very old but he might not be it's, it's tough because as everyone as looks like they're 45 <laughs> uh i mean i kind of had the same thing in uh, american graffiti with the pharaohs who are like they're my favorite part of the movie very the interesting fun, uh, um, sequence the leader guy mm-hmm. he feels like he's out of high school i think so yeah 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 which is he's like i mean they're really interesting i think mm-hmm. i also just i love 50s gangs yeah like um the wild one is like a favorite movie of mine it's kind of a it's a motorcycle movie from the 50s Mar- like peak sexy young marlon brando it's mm-hmm. kind of based on the holster riots it's really good if yeah. anybody wants yeah. to check it's, it out it's uh what's the line like what what are you rebelling against he's like what do you got that's, yeah yeah that's a wild one cool. yeah great movie yeah um but it's also funny because that is a like in uh like a contemporary depiction of gangs which is you know in retrospect very goofy right I mean, well, we were talking about, uh, we'll touch on it a little bit, that uh, the initial pitch for this episode, we were going to do Rebel Without a Cause instead mm-hmm. of American Graffiti, and we pivoted because, you know, the similarity of Greece and American Graffiti are looking back on the 50s. Yes. And it is something very interesting that, like, so the, the gang depiction, you're right, in something like Wild One, Rebel Without a Cause, it's, like, pretty intense. Because yeah. there was this moral panic at the time, but now it's, like, American Graffiti especially, like, this, the, the pharaohs are threatening to Kurt. A little bit. Yes. But they are, but by the end of the movie, they're kind of like pathetic. Like they're just like really wanting to join their crew. And yeah. they just sort of hang, they're like, everyone wants to join us. And you're just like, these are losers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is, which in a weird way, that might be the more accurate depiction of some of those gangs and that they kind of just were kids who had matching jackets and were hanging out and doing, you know, light crimes. Yeah. I think, and I think that's what, what I love about that whole scene is that you see, I, I saw that and I'm like, oh, wow, I didn't realize this movie had this like crime element to it. 
But again, it, it just fits into this arc that everyone Kurt runs into is telling him who he's going to be when he grows up. Mm-hmm. Even the pharaohs, they're like, now you're going to be a pharaoh. Everyone wants to be a pharaoh, right? And they all say it like it's so obvious, you know, like the yeah. mooses. Like they, yeah, although are like in order of the, I do think the pharaohs, the pharaoh leader, I don't know his character name, but I feel like Snake. He, <laughs> sure. Uh, I think Snake was being a little facetious when he said, you want to be a pharaoh, everyone wants to be a pharaoh. Like, I think he's a little in, he... He, he is just kind of screwing with Kurt in like an oddly nice way. I think he was initially, but then once he, he actually him. successfully yeah. like destroys the car. Also, just the blocking, the action of that scene is just great. I it's love so it. It's so funny. I, anytime a car is supposed to start that doesn't is very funny. Or yeah. anytime anyone starts to like do a thing and like... Bring Up Baby has a great sequence where like uh, Catherine Hepburn and Cary Grant are like about to go do like, all right, let's do it. And they take a step and they immediately fall into a lake. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like the same shit. Yeah. Uh, there's the same. There's a scene where Toad reverses into that car. Oh, so graffiti, funny. And, yeah. and then he just yells at him. I mean, we can't get too much into just redoing all the bits, but he's just like, Good OK, bits. I'll give you a warning this time. But next time I'm not going to be so like light. And he just drives off. <laughs> Uh, I'm like those cars are all made out of metal it's fine who cares they're fine yeah um but anyway that's what I find so interesting about the pharaoh scene and about so many of the scenes is that like it's just the the uncertainty of American graffiti like American graffiti doesn't have a lot of answers I don't think it's not really telling you what you should do with your life it wants it I I think it's pushing Kurt to go out and see the world because that's good for him yeah I will say I don't there's not much of a there's not really like a unifying moment where you see Kurt making the decision to stay. Right. It's there's kind of a he has there's a lot of kind of episodic moments that could kind of go either way and it it is not I don't think it's poorly written like I think it it feels right that he stays, but there's not any that one he leaves. Sorry, that he leaves. Right, yeah. right. He decides to continue continue to leave. Continue, right. Um that he decides to leave, but there's not really one unifying moment that all like kind of wraps up in a bow, which the the Wolfman scene could have easily been that, but it wasn't. Right. I found that yeah, the Wolfman scene especially is so interesting cuz the way it breaks down, you'd think it would make him stay. As in, like, the Wolfman's like, you gotta leave, you gotta leave, and then he looks back and he's there. Yeah. And the guy was lying to him to mm-hmm. get him to go. Right, so that whole, you know, Wolfman sequence, he's... It, him looking back and seeing that Wolfman has is staying and lying to him, you'd think would be a, a you know a click in the oh this guy doesn't know what he's talking about, Colin. Yeah, but he does kind of key into the earnestness of that moment. Yeah, and also I mean it also yeah it, it could go either way because it could also just be like this guy stays and is a local celebrity and he still regrets staying. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and 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 also it's like a guy he trusts who grew up like you know mm-hmm. basically like the best of Modesto yeah. in his mind is telling him like get out there, man. Yeah. Um, if there is a moment, I wonder if that's it because he, you know, at the end of the movie where he gets the call from the blonde girl, yeah, he's kind of at that point made his decision. Like he mentions mm-hmm. like, yeah, I don't think I'm going to see you tomorrow. Yeah. Like he's already kind of knows. Yeah. The other, the other one point, it could be like the Pharaoh. I mean, I feel like the, the thing with the Pharaohs of them actually accepting him could weirdly be the thing that pushes him over the edge a little bit right. as much as the Wolfman thing. Mm-hmm. Cause also just, he literally sees what he could become if he stays. You're right. And I think the movie very subtly presents him with a couple of those moments. Mm-hmm. Like there's that teacher yes. who comes back, who told him he went to college for a year and then came back and is now teaching. And he basically just hooks up with the students, which is cr- gross and terrible. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. it's, yeah, it is implied that it's implied that he's kind of like, I guess, grooming. Like the, all there's the group of, group of girls that he's flirting with. And then there's the girl that comes up and calls him by his first name. And it's very clear that they're. Yeah. 
a couple. Yeah, so he sees like that guy being one path. He sees the um, the arcade owner, you know, because mm-hmm. they gave him a scholarship, the like, moose lodge, the moose lodge yeah. and like them being like, yeah, come back and be a moose, you know, like, they really <laughs> wanted to be like. So that's a path. Yeah, the Pharaohs is a path. The mm-hmm. mo- I mean, Wolfman Jack is a path, mm-hmm. and and John uh, Milner, the you know the, the the guy who drives around in the car all the time, right? Yes. is sort of subtly another one because he's sort of you know he's like I'm just gonna keep doing this. Yeah. Um, and then when he makes a decision, like it feel you're right. They never explicitly say like, here's why I'm doing it. But it, when, when he makes the choice to fly away, you get it. Yeah. And then conversely, Opie's decision to stay. Mm-hmm. Ke- Kenny, Keith, what, what is his name again? Oh, Steven. Steven. Steve. Yeah. Um, he also doesn't really have as clear of a moment when he decides to stay. It's a little bit when his girlfriend quotes what Kurt was saying. It's also interesting that he was essentially convinced by Kurt. Right. Yeah. Um, and then weirdly, he doesn't have the insight into what his life could, could become, which right. I guess is why he does, why he stays because he doesn't see any of the negatives. He just yeah. has his life with his girlfriend who he loves and he wants to stay. Well, that's what I find so interesting about his character. Kurt is like a blank page and mm-hmm. he kind of knows he's a blank page and he's like, I'm he living in Modesto does not give him any sort of specific like vision of his future other than just the friends he has. Whereas Steve, you know, Ron Howard's character, he was prom king. He's like got dating the prom queen. Mm-hmm. Like he's like the big man on campus. Basically, he's got the coolest car. Like he's peaked in yeah. high school. And he, I, I, to me, him deciding to stay is as much about him loving his co- his high school girlfriend. Yeah, which is stupid. Yes, as it is about if him. you are a listener and you are in high school. Leave your high school girlfriend right now. Yeah, <laughs> it's not worth it. There's no point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and. As, as much about that as much about, I think he's afraid of the future in the same way that Kurt is sort of intimidated by it. Yeah. Like, I mean, the coda of the movie, he just stays in Modesto and becomes just an insurance agent. Like, he he never leaves. Oh, right. Yeah. The uh, the where they went stuff is really interesting. Also, because this movie was a sequel, which I've never seen. The movie has a sequel. It does. Yeah. yeah. I thought you said it was a sequel. No, no. no sorry. It's not <laughs> has a sequel. It is not a sequel. It has a sequel. Right. Which apparently is not well regarded, is no, my understanding. No, I don't think it's directed by George Lucas. No. I mean, I, well, that's... We've talked about this, how like sometimes really acclaimed classic movies will have like weird, dumb sequels. Yeah, I was going to say we could have a great follow up episode, which is weird, dumb sequels with Grease 2 and American Graffiti 2. Uh, They brought back a lot of the cast. Yeah. uh, All of it, basically, except, yeah, even John, who, according to the coda, should be dead by then. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah, because it's interesting that Toad dies in Vietnam. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, John Milner dies in a car accident pretty soon after. Yep. And, and then, then, but even uh, Kurt doesn't have like a great. He's a writer. He lives in Canada. Right. Yeah. He just cha- he he built went out there and built the life. You know. It. I mean, one having a career as a writer is like any kind of career as a writer to me <laughs> true. is incredibly yes. impressive. Yes. Yes. True. <laughs> but it's funny that it's not. They just say where he is and they say what his job is. They don't say how successful he is. I mean, yeah. obviously, yes, being a writer is a, a feat, one that we are still attempting to accomplish. <laughs> Um, but it's not glamorous. It's not like, oh, he's, you know, living in like a tropical island off of his writings or he's doing whatever. He's just in Canada, which is a different place from where he's from. Yeah. But it's not necessarily a more glamorous place. True. Although there are glamorous parts of camera. Yeah. Canada. It, it, I think it's an ambiguous note and I think it really fits what this movie is doing in general. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's not like Grease is sort of like looking back at the fifties. It's like, look at all this style and how fun it is. And let's just like create this perfect little bubble of nostalgia and not really, and and it is sort of interesting, and progressive, in how it depicts you know people smoking and fucking and drinking, which is not what you would see at movies at the time. Yes, uh, about 
kids or if there was in rebel it was like radical yeah it, it was like these are the children of demons <laughs> right um whereas american graffiti just, it, it just doesn't know it's just like you don't know what where you're going mm-hmm. you know and like i think kurt is like a really interesting and really compelling character specifically because he's willing to just fly into the sky and see where it takes him yeah um whereas you know seeing steve just stay in modesto like i'm sure he had a happy life and i don't want to disparage anyone who decides to stay in their hometown and become a very successful, presumably insurance agent. Yeah. But like seeing him in the beginning of the movie, he's so excited to go to college. He's going to go out and see the world. He's going to like do all these things. And then he's like, no, I'll just stay. Yeah. You kind of, it's kind of a sad ending for him that he doesn't go. Yeah. It's, it's bittersweet. I would say like he, you think he could have been capable of more in his life, but if he didn't want that, he didn't want that. But like, it's just, it's just interesting that there is that impulse with a lot of people. Yeah. Just be like, I got, the life I want. I'm, yeah. I'm 18. I did it. Yeah. I'm done. Yeah. I mean, and for some people that is the right option, you know? Yeah. It's just, if, for that character, I felt very, I, I was not happy to see that. I was like, oh, that's really interesting. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. And it's also kind of funny that he is kind of the most of a dirtbag character and that he's trying to like swing an open relationship with somebody who is really not into it. And then later on, he tries to pressure her into having sex in a super not cool way. Although at least to the character's minor credit, he backs off from it when she is obviously not into it. Yeah, it's a pretty dark moment for Opie. Yeah, it's pretty. It is quite dark for Opie because I'm like, this is this character is acting a lot like a villain right here. I think and I think the. I hope it's hard to say. I think the movie knows that I yeah, think th- at that I think point. So well, his whole character is like, he does these dumb things because he thinks he's supposed to, he thinks that's what it means to go out and be a big man of the world. Like you gotta have sex with your girl. You gotta like, Oh, we're, I'm going to be in college. Let's just have an open relationship. It's fine. Yeah. Cause the other guy tells him in the bathroom, like, Oh, college girls put out. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, that's kind of, that's what I heard. Right. But he doesn't understand what Kurt, I think implicitly understands by the end of the movie that going out in the world and being a grown up and like taking on the world does not mean you just, have sex with women yeah and it doesn't <laughs> that mean that can be part of it and it doesn't for sure. mean shitting on the i mean yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a fun part of it but uh it also doesn't mean shitting on the people that you leave right it just means that you get on the plane yeah and kurt gets on the plane and i thought you know the movie gives him that really beautiful moment where the blonde girl who mm-hmm. is just sort of this like metaphorical image of like a happiness he's chasing yeah. follows him yeah <laughs> the car follows the plane it's yeah. sort of like the girl, there's always going to be, you know, like you shouldn't stay where you are just because you're chasing the girl. I'm using quote marks. Yeah. Because you know, the girl's wherever you go. Yeah. The grass is always greener on the other side and it is truly greener. It is not a mirage. Right. Go find that green grass. Wherever you're chasing your dream, it's your dream. It'll follow you. Yeah. Yeah. And it's such a great moment. And funny enough, the only thing I'd ever seen in this movie before today when I watched it was that last scene when I showed it to me in a really in a, a film class. Just oh, okay. about, it was a screenwriting class just about, you know great payoffs right and they're like and they saw like our teacher just described the whole movie <laughs> or his whole arc and then showed that scene and i i gotta tell you if i didn't know that shot of the car was coming mm-hmm. and it hit, i would have hit me so hard i would have just teared up because how, how beautiful that shit is but instead yeah. i was like god damn it there's film the, 101 the one thing i know <laughs> so then the interesting part about milner as well is that early on i just missed it the first time i watched the movie but i like rewatched it um, he's talking about how Modesto itself is kind of like a dying town, which mm-hmm. I don't know if that's true of the real life Modesto, but he says like it's shrinking that you used to be able to drive around, you used to take a full tank of gas to drive around the town. Yeah. And now it's even less. And there's like, there's less, he's staying here, but there's less and less for him to stay for. Right. The, the very specific kind of fifties car culture that he 
is such a king of yeah. is on its last gasp by the time we come into this movie. Yeah, which is even, I mean, his car is a car from the 30s. It's a Deuce Coupe. Yeah, and it's literally missing pieces. Like, well, <laughs> that's on purpose. <laughs> that, that, that I know. Style. Yes, but yeah, okay, yeah. But if I'm reaching for symbolism, sure. you know, just sort of like, you know, if this movie is sort of peeling under the veneer of respectable 50s culture and just showing all the like messy humans underneath, his car is that. It's like an old-timey car that looks super classy, but it's just all the ugly engines yeah and actually there's the funny part he gives the um he gives the girl part of the car too she takes a piece of the car with her when she goes yeah so he's he's actually like literally losing even more parts of himself with every scene he's like this like like beautiful angel of 50s car culture who just people come in touch with him come in contact with him they love him and they look up to him but he's just like Giving little pieces, he's like the giving tree. Yeah, he is like our culture, tree. and he in he also knows that it's happening, which is very interesting. Yeah, because he is not. You would often see that character not be aware of the fact that his life is kind of you know sad and is destined to you know fade away. Mm-hmm. He very much knows it. He said one of his first lines in the movie is just like, "I'm just gonna be staying here, like doing what I always do." But it's said in a way that he obviously knows that that is kind of sad. Yeah, I mean that's why his arc. This, him in this movie is so interesting. Yes. Because he is, he's basically, if you transpose one of the uh, faceless, like, Bobos from <laughs> Greece, yes. one of the not, one of the non dannies the non Zucos, yeah. yeah. uh, into, like, a world where he actually had to, like, have introspection. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, like, it's so, because, like, his, everyone in this movie, you have four, four plot lines of men basically bouncing off of different women. Mm-hmm. Um, less so for Kurt, I guess, but they, or maybe him the most so. Mo- less less time for him. Yeah. Kurt is like bouncing off the idea of a phantom woman. In right. A way. Yeah. Which is cool. Yeah. And highbrow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Milner, who is this like super cool, very attractive, very badass, like he's the king of the fucking strip because mm-hmm. he has the coolest car. Yeah. Uh, they just throw up like a 13 year old in his car. It is so funny. I mean, I'd say the Milner, all the Miller plot line is some like the most like, I think like technically well-written and a lot of the funniest action stuff and also just funny in general, like him and him and Harrison Ford just roasting each other out the windows of the cars is the funniest shit in the world. Oh yeah. And the fact that it ends because the, I'm forgetting, I always forget character names, but the girl, she just says, Carol's your car as ugly as I am. And everyone's like, Ooh, that was like a pretty bad self burn. And it kind of ends it. (laughs) She realizes it too. She's like, Oh, but then yeah, she realizes it. And it's really funny. But then you see Harrison Ford's face where he's like, what? (laughs) Cause I think that's also him finally realizing that there's a 13 year old. (laughs) Like, okay. So that just for, for contact, that scene, they, he's basically chirping at this car for little girls. He's just driving around chirping at girls. It's what most of this movie. Yeah. And he's like, Hey, why don't you go, why don't you go in my car? And she's like, no, I'm going to steady. But yeah. we've got this other girl. And she, she's super interested. He's like, fuck yeah. And then she runs <laughs> oh, in. No, 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 he's even better. He's like, you mind if like Carol's sister comes with you? He's like, yeah, her sister, her mother, whatever. <laughs> right. And she gets in. He's like, shit. Because she's a kid. She's 13 years old. <laughs> but she also could be such a a type. She could just be like precocious child number six or whatever. Yeah. But she's so interesting. Like she's very much trying to be a grown-up like mm-hmm. she obviously is like parents who like kind of don't give a shit or like, yeah kinda, kinda she says did. that at least right like she really wants to go out and party and be cool but she can't because she's a child and also because the she idealizes him like basically like they both kind of learn something from that yeah. like she learns that the thing she's idolizing is a human being and he just kind of like by for once not having his kind of normal night gets a moment of introspection at the end yeah and also she 
she wants to be grown up, but then she learns that she's not ready for it. Yeah. Because like in there's like the two scenes where they kind of have almost a romantic. Th- not really. But yeah. like the two scenes of them being physically close to each other is one where he puts her head in his lap <laughs> to hide her from another car of <laughs> right. girls from a tur- chirp at. And she says, is this cop and feel? And he just goes, oh, my God. No, it's not. He pushes her away. <laughs> yeah. And then later on, the great solve of him getting her out of the car is that he starts to come on to her. He's like, you know, I've been I've been going. You've been driving me nuts all night. I need to have you. She's like, what? Oh, no. Here's and my then, address. Yeah. She gives her him her, her address. So it's like those two scenes. She starts off when she's not getting like the, a real show of affection. And she's in. And she's like interested. She wants. She's like, oh, this is like what it is. Mm-hmm. Is this what it is that I want? And then later on, when she kind of gets like the real, a real taste of what it would be like to, for him to like hit on her, she's scared and wants out of it because she is like she because she realizes she's not ready for it. Right. And I think Milner realizes Milner basically realizes that she is just a kid and is like, oh, I now by actually presenting her with what adulthood is, I will get her to get away from me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like when it's not a game for her anymore. Yes. Yeah. And it it's very it's it's so funny. Yeah. It's really funny. <laughs> And yeah, the last scene is very sweet. Where like he like he gives her the piece of the car mm-hmm. and just gives like, a kiss on the cheek, and then she like fucks with them some more. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because she's gonna tell all her friends about it. It's yeah. like it's a ring. It's like we're going steady, right? But she's she's completely fucking with him. Yeah, I think that's a piece of the engine heads. It's like the part that he takes off of the car so that he can race. Yeah, I think that's what. Yeah, which mm-hmm. is also kind of symbolic that he's like ready to go. <laughs> yeah, which yeah, because right after that he gets to Pir- Paradise Lane or whatever, oh, or Paradise Road or whatever. And wait. Is, oh yeah, no, no. Thunder Road is from it's Greece. Greece, yeah. Where it's just the LA River. I laughed so hard when Thunder Road was the LA River. <laughs> okay, well, here's a we can get. I want to get back to Milner's ending in a second, but quick compare and quick highbrow lowbrow. Yeah, car races. Oh man, they're so both so good. Like the Greece car chase is actually really good. It's kind of crazy that there's some Mad Max stuff going on in the middle there. Yeah. Some wacky races. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> That's pretty wild. But um, I like how they're both very similar. One's just a drag race, and the other one is just you know go. It's like it's like there's a drag race with like a hairpin in the in half of it. Yeah. Um. But yet with like there's not a lot of turns and twists and turns and you know stuff going on. But it's still very dramatic. It's very easy to follow and mm-hmm. I, I love them. Pretty, yeah. I, love, I love a car chase. And like comparing the emotional stakes, mm-hmm. like Greece, there's it's not really. It's just sort of like this guy's a dick and they're yeah. going to race him and they oh and well he's going to lose the car. Right, they're gonna lose a car. They don't want to do that. They're going for pink slips, which is it's funny to see that because I think of that as the term from Fast and the Furious. Yeah, but it was in Greece. <laughs> uh, but really, it's interesting just because it's such a triumph for Danny that Sandy finally realizes like the value in his whole shtick, basically, yeah. like the community and the fun of it. So she's like, oh. Like him being the greaser douche earlier was annoying, but that doesn't mean all the greaser douches are bad. Yeah. And she's sort of like beaten part way, which is kind of an interesting on, solve, I guess. I guess on the other hand, it's kind of a shallow depiction of her character and that the only times the things that win her over Danny is when he a like gives her something of like monetary value and B asserts dominance over another man. And that's what she's really into. I think she's more into them all celebrating him and realizing that, like, why, like, how it's like positive. Because, like, from her perspective, he, she, he's this nice guy. And the next time he sees, uh, after the summer, yeah. that she sees him, he is like doing the greaser bit. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's the thing that, like, makes him such, like, kind of a douche dirty, like, code switches. Yeah. And it's, then, al- it's also funny how nakedly obvious it is what he's doing. Because he starts off being like, Sandy. And oh, my he, God. Yeah. Like, if she, I mean, obviously, it's, you know, not a, it, it's a, it's, hi- it's, it's, it's very heightened. But in real life, you'd be like, oh, I, I understand what this guy's doing. His friends are right there. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
anyway, just very so like that's sort of emotionally what's going on in Greece, and yes. like it's it it's a moment to move on to some other stuff, and it's just kind of fun and silly. Mm-hmm. Whereas the race in um, American Graffiti, uh, very different. Yeah, uh, but weirdly, even though there's less wacky races, there's a much more harrowing car crash. Yeah, and also like really amplified by the fact that Opie's girlfriend's in the car. Right. Yeah. Which is, I mean, that's I guess that is also the thing that makes him stay. That, that I is think his so, big, yeah. big come to Jesus moment is that when he sees her almost die, he realizes that he can't live without her. Yeah. Which is, I mean, it's just, it's just the shock of like a, a singular dramatic moment. Like yeah. it gets him, you know, like, and he's kind of going through it all evening. Cause he really likes her and can't handle leaving. He's just a, he's just, he's got a weak soul and he doesn't want to <laughs> give up his high school girlfriend. My, my, my number one <laughs> criticism of people is that they have a weak soul. <laughs> Um, there are a lot of weak souls in movies. There are, yes. Like sometimes you just got to grow up sometimes and leave Modesto. Get, get strong. Those souls got to get strong. <laughs> Them souls get strong. Uh, uh, oh, real quick. Mm-hmm. Harrison Ford's character is named Bob Falfa. Bob Falfa. A uh, real missed opportunity to name him Albert Falfa. <laughs> you have to imagine draft one. That was the move. <laughs> yeah, they're like, yeah, and they go to the producers like, guys, you can't. He's not going to be Alfalfa. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> George Lucas's Kermit voice, like, no, why not? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Any a George Lucas impression is very close to a Kermit impression. <laughs> um, Harrison Ford, very. I mean, I love I, him in this movie. I know you're he, not as hot on him, but I, I just love think him. the rest of this movie is very naturalistic, very down to earth, very much about like messy, complicated humans. And Harrison Ford is a wacky racist character. He's like a big, <laughs> boisterous asshole in a in a cowboy hat who just shouts like weird shit at people yeah i don't know I, it's very it's a much broader performance than the rest of the movie it That's is broad i do think i mean part of it is like he is very much coming into town trying to assert dominance and he is like putting on a character for these townsfolk mm-hmm. he is also from the south and has a big southern accent which is uh, kind of gives him a little bit of a heightened feel true and he they do kind of take him down a notch one by destroying his car yeah. and um but there's a great little moment where they pull him out of the wreckage and he's like kind of like hurt and sad and they give him his hat back <laughs> he doesn't put it on he's just sort of like like he like it's like it's like a weird it's a good subtle piece of of acting and blocking where he just kind of looks at it and he's just like i guess yeah yeah i guess i have this hat but it's not doesn't mean anything anymore because i don't have the car and the swagger yeah uh uh, so, so Mil- Milner, getting back to him right. because now we can talk about his ending. Right. Um, he races. Yeah. And he wins. Hell yeah. Uh, because Harrison Ford crashes. Yeah, because, I mean, they kind of see it earlier with the stuff at the stoplight where Harrison Ford blows through the stoplight. Yeah. And uh, it's like, yeah, he's good, but he's stupid. Yeah. And so he, so Harrison, but then Milner, as he's walking away, Toad's falling around being like, you're the fucking best, man. You know, like you're like hyping him up like a mm-hmm. cartoon, like a Tex Avery cartoon. And he's like, and Milner says that he was going to beat me. Yeah. Right. He was uh, he was about to beat me if he hadn't have just crashed. And like he's sort of realizing that he's slowing down. Yeah. And he can't do this forever. But Toad kind of hyping him up as like you're the great John Milner. You're fucking crazy. Is like enough for him to like lose it. Like that's like his that was his chance to save himself. Yeah. When he realizing it. But being Milner is kind of all he has. And yeah. I think that's why he goes back to it. And then like I, I wouldn't I didn't know about the coda at the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. But when, so when. Uh, Richard drives is flying away, and then suddenly it's just an appearance that said John Milner just fucking died. Yeah. It was like a little shocking. Yeah, but it also it it's one of those sad things that just makes sense for his character. And it's but it's the other interesting thing is that he didn't die in a race; he just died in a car accident. Yeah, it's like drunk driving. Accident, yeah. Right? Then they, I guess they didn't say if he was the. I guess I guess you can assume he was the driver. I assume that he got hit by a drunk driver. Also possible. Yeah. I while mean, he was driving. Yeah. Yeah, because you never see him drinking and driving. But also, it was the 60s, and that kind of shit kind of was okay. Like, people just did that a lot more. Yeah. 
is John Milner was killed by a drunk driver. So yeah, it's actually that he was killed by a drunk driver in just like a random accident. Although it's yeah. kind of like presumably because he spent so much time in a car that it his his likelihood of dying in the car are much higher. Yeah, I mean, I think you can read it as two ways of just sort of like life is cruel and random things happen, mm-hmm. or that you know that came out of his choice to stay who he was. Yeah, uh, and then Toad just fucking dies in Vietnam, which is just a sad thing that happened to a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. And it just, I think that's kind of shocking because you, you didn't see him as like, he was the most, the least like a grown up of anybody. Yes. he Yeah. He he reads the youngest. And it's also funny that he's like that interesting kind of, he's like a dumb nerd mm-hmm. where he doesn't have, he's not the one that's going to college. He is like a nerd. He's not good with girls, although he gets better, you know? Yeah. More of a dork than a nerd. Yeah. He's not, he's not socially adept, but he also doesn't have anything that makes him special outside of that either. Yeah. Um, so it's just even sadder. He's just kind of <laughs> is just this thing that is also stuck in Modesto. Well, he's kind of fun. It, like, he, he is very fun. His if he has an arc at all, it's just learning that like he's got his own value outside of just like he's lying constantly. Yeah, and the girl is just sort of confused by all that. But she genuinely likes him when they're just hanging out. <laughs> yeah, I was always the one thing I found interesting about her was I was always unclear about whether I don't remember the character's name. The, the girl with the wig, the blonde wig, Debbie. No, I think it's Debbie. The interesting thing about in the character's plotline is I was always I was always unclear about how much Debbie was in on it. Right. Because there's parts where it seems like she is just using him to get alcohol because she sees that he's like he's the nerd. She's not a guy that he would normally go. She would normally go out with. You see an example of that later on. Mm-hmm. She seems kind of in on the joke that she knows that he's lying to her and mm-hmm. she's just kind of using him because you'll, you'll buy alcohol for her. Yeah. Um, but then later on, she also Somebody, the, when they, when he's throwing up, the guy says, oh, like, he must not drink much. She says, no, he said he drank, drank a lot. Like, it seems like she did believe him. Yeah. I, it's really always on the line about whether this, she's, like, using him or she's just kind of stupid or what. Like, what's going on with this girl? I saw her as just being, like, wholesome. Like, I thought she was just, like, she. he said stuff. She's like, why would the guy lie to me? I don't know. He, he said I looked like this famous person. Yeah, but yeah. she does seem to have, like, a bit of a dark side. With oh, a, where she's like obsessed with the serial killer or whatever. Well, yeah, she's obsessed. With that that's very fun. The very serial, modern. She's very obsessed with the serial killer. Um, also, just like she has a lot of guys that she's been dating, which is like you know fine. Yeah. But um, at the time, that would be perceived as more of a dark side, or mm-hmm. at least it's more. It's a little bit outside of the uh, cultural expectation for how a woman would date. Mm-hmm. Um, so she kind of she has a little bit. She has like she's actually sown some wild oats. She has a little bit more going on. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's she's interesting. Oh, yeah, for sure. And like I that whole I mean that plot line was the weakest for me personally just cuz I thought the other ones were like emotionally compelling, mm-hmm. but uh, it was also the one of the funnier ones. I mean, yeah. it's basically we talked about this, it's basically super bad. Like, yes. he's basically McLovin right down, like right down to having to buy like alcohol. Yes. <laughs> Which that that entire liquor store sequence is it's just great. So, it's so funny. Yeah, I mean, giving the giving the liquor or giving the money to the wino who just leaves immediately. Yeah, like buys the wine and leaves. And then the guy's like, "You want some alcohol? Cool. I'll get it." And he just robs the place immediately. <laughs> Right, he tosses, but then he tosses him the the, the liquor. Like, yeah, he takes the money, goes in, robs the liquor store, runs out, tosses the liquor to the guy, <laughs> back to Toad, and then runs out, and then the liquor store owner shoots after him. Yeah, oh my god, that's uh, great. It is great, and that's really fun. And I, it's funny, Toad has less of a a journey that's like so. It, it's less deep to me than some of the other ones. Yeah, it's, it's not, not deep. He does have emo- he does have character development. Oh yeah, because I I guess like the two moments that are like the biggest for me is that. When he first gets the keys of the car, he's crying. He's like, this is the most beautiful thing I have ever seen. And I now get to like 
have it. Yeah. Like I, I've made it, I get to be in this beautiful machine. Yeah. And then later on when he admits that he does, he just has a Vespa and you want to go hang out because I have value, not just the car. So like mm-hmm. that's kind of his arc. Right. He's learning to actually like who he is, not yeah. just constantly trying to be OP. Yeah, not yeah. needing or the, the, not needing the signifiers of coolness, just being cool. Yeah, it's it's sweet and I like it. And yeah. it, it is there, but I just felt like the other three are much yeah dr- more dramatically uh, intense. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, but I you know it's nice to have it's nice to have something to cut to that's just fun. Yeah, is there anything I'm trying to think of just like like is that sort of Frenchie's arc in in Greece is learning to like her because she's like constantly trying to do other stuff and like she goes to beauty school. Frenchie's arc is weird because. It's like she thinks she tries to go out beyond high school to achieve. It's like kind of to achieve greatness, but also kind of to because she's she's also dropping out of high school. Yeah. So it's not really it's to be more adult, certainly. Yeah. Um, But she like gets a taste of the outside world and immediately flees from it and goes back <laughs> to high school. So it's she has like negative character development. It's weird. <laughs> Yeah, it's fine. I can't really remember. Like, then she just kind of joins the group again. And everything's kind of fine. Yeah, and she just immediately goes back to high school. It seems like she was in beauty school for maybe a week. She just has to make up a couple tests. Right, yeah. <laughs> I uh, liked her with the pink hair. I wanted her to keep the pink hair. Yeah. She looks insane later on when she's like a little duckling <laughs> at the dance. Yeah. And I guess Rizzo, Rizzo does... Rizzo's awesome because like I don't know that she has an art. She just knows what she wants. Content. Like yeah, she, she she starts off cool and stays cool. <laughs> right. She's like well the like the glue that holds the pink ladies together. Yeah. She's got a, like a dumb boyfriend who she has sex with and then is not pregnant and then she keeps dating her dumb boyfriend. And yeah. like she's the one who determines like, yeah, you're dumb and you probably can't be a father, but we can keep dating because I'm not pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no arc there. No, no real thought. Of, well, that's the thing. Nobody nope. has an arc outside of even Danny. Yeah, not really. Sandy yeah. don't really. <laughs> well, there's no thought about the future. That's my thing is that it's like is Greece uses nostalgia specifically to like stay in the past. Yeah. And American Graffiti is using nostalgia to think about how far we've come or to look back at how we got to where we are as grownups, not yeah. as like a culture necessarily. Yeah, it's yeah, it's kind of because also American Graffiti is. It 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 thinks of nostalgia as kind of like not a force for evil, not like a negative force, but mm-hmm. it is like complicated. It's like complicated and not just good. Like yeah. nostalgia can have its downsides. Yeah, it's which a- is what with Kurt and uh, with Kurt, that's like the problem. Like his problem is that he has nostalgia and he has to get over it. Like yeah. the, even them going to the freshman dance. Oh, yeah. like don't you want to just remember the good times? And the guy's like, why? Like we didn't have great times in high school or whatever. Yeah, although they did. And then American Fees, nostalgia is great. Right. The dance is fucking nuts. It yeah. is like, yeah, the, the big dance in Greece is like massive. Everyone's having so much fun all the time. They're filming it. It's like these huge choreograph. I mean, it's a musical, but like yeah. also. Like <laughs> they keep on breaking out into a song in the movie. It's weird. Like there's no real darkness there other than Danny accidentally sort of dancing with another girl who he kind of knows and, and Sandy freaking out because of her weak soul. It was very funny how <laughs> fast he pivoted to dance with her though. <laughs> well, like he's just dancing and then suddenly there's another girl and he's like, well, I'm not gonna stop. I'm not gonna not dance. dance. Yeah. yeah, I'm John Travolta. Yeah, <laughs> have you seen me dance? Yeah. <laughs> well, you're going to. <laughs> <laughs> but I like that's sort of how. That's where I feel like those two movies are like different. Like, yes. like comparing like you know the teacher character at the dance in in American Graffiti, he's just like perving on the girls and like giving weird bad advice. Mm-hmm. And like, there's a guy, there's the guy who's kind of like hitting on that one girl in Greece, the, like, TV guy. Yes. They're mostly just, like, get her on TV. It's, like, not... Well, I guess it is sort of gross and uncomfortable, but it's not, like, as bad as it is depicted in American... It's more no, like he's just this guy. 
Well, there's also there's no like long term implications of it because she doesn't end up with him. No, really. and she just like gets on TV, and he just wants to like put people on American Bandstand or whatever. Yeah, because he's kind of more about like the joke with him is kind of that he's vain, right? More than the way he interacts with women. Yeah, it's just it has that, that great shot of him looking in the mirror, and the mirror's falling, and we're like tracking with him as he looks in the mirror. Yeah, great shot. Yeah, <laughs> there's a couple really good good moments in uh, like the filmmaking in Greece is very good. Uh huh. Um, the one I thought of the most, the scene where Rizzo is walking through the drive, the drive-in theater and like, there's all the weird little stuff in like the foreground of all the people in the cars doing kind of funny bits. Yeah. It's basically weekend. The yeah. Godard movie. <laughs> it's yeah, the same shot. Yeah. They're, they're talking about the, the very famous car accident weekend that if you, if you, if you like French new wave, watch weekend in its entirety. If you're not interested in French new wave, go on YouTube and just watch the car crash sequence. It's like a 10 minute long tracking shot through a car, through a car jam. And it's great. It's the only part of that movie I actually like. Yeah. I'm not a huge weekend guy. And then there's a, I think there's an Ebert review where he talks about it. That is worth also checking out for mm-hmm. some good analysis on what's going on in that scene. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, smart guy. Betty Bert. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just pivoting back to the, the big dance in Greece, mm-hmm. uh, which is, like I said, it's like unabashedly presented as what an awesome, great thing this is. Yes. Whereas in American <laughs> Graffiti, it's just like, you know, it's the end of something. Like, it's kind of sad. Like, the biggest moment is is the last, is that dance between Opie and, and um, his girlfriend. Yes. I, I, I don't know anyone's name this fucking movie. I, I'm bad with character names as it is. <laughs> and the fact that I don't know all the actors doesn't help me. Uh, um, the the band in the da- big dance in Greece is Sha Nana. Oh really? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. They look great. They sound yeah. great. Red blazer is a powerful move. It is really interesting that it is the freshman dance. It's, oh yeah, the it's, freshman it's bop. Not, yeah, the freshman bop, which is I because I originally when I was first watching it, I missed what they were going to, and I thought it was like their grad night. And it's it's really interesting that it's the freshman dance that they're watching the kids enter into this magical experience. Quote which, right. I hated high school the entire time. I really wanted to get out of it. So I don't, I don't empathize with that. Right. Right. And for them, it's just sort of like for Kurt, it's the same thing as always being presented with the future for Opie. It's sort of like him being presented with like the power he has in this town. Yeah. Right. Like them calling him out as being the prom king, him and Nancy, uh, I keep calling her Nancy. Um, okay. Let me look up her name. Lori. Yes. It's Lori. Sure. So he's, yeah, that last dance with Lori, we're like, like them dancing together and like having them talking about their past and like yeah, which also a like beautifully like shot and blocked. Also, I mean, American Graffiti is such a beautiful movie. Yeah. Just the lighting, this like beautiful neon lighting, the reflections everywhere, the way everything's framed. It's just fucking. I'm not. I don't have. <laughs> I don't have the like background in describing cinematography to go through everything about why it looks great, but it looks beautiful. Oh yeah, and that's a really great sequence. Um, and like I said, it, that it's just <laughs> Opie keeps getting confronted with all the ways in which. He has peaked here and yes. doesn't want to risk anything else going out. And he's like, I'm just going to keep on peaking forever. <laughs> and he becomes an insurance agent. Yeah. Uh, which is, is fine. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe. I've never been an insurance agent. Yeah. Job to, you know, job's a job. Job's a job. Um, anyway, Greece. I, okay. Something I really like about Greece. Hmm. Not a high, not a compare contrast, not a hyper low brow. Cool. The dancing is really fun. Yes. Uh, I often get frustrated in movies when there's really long dance sequences that I feel like are not as interesting. Mm. But these are so much fun, I think just because they have a lot of energy and they are smiling all the time and it feels like happy people being happy. Yeah. my th- yeah, I really like dancing movies. My thing that frustrates me the most in musicals is when they have dance sequences with people who are not very good at dancing, which is like my main problem, like La La Land. And this movie... Everyone's doing a great job. They're fucking yeah. great. Yeah, they're awesome. I mean, I I, I disagree. I like La La Land. Yeah, anyway, it's fine. We don't have to get into that. We, we, we've had that debate 
probably on multiple air multiple times. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I mean, the dancing in Greece is good. And it's not because, like, you know, sometimes I think about like uh, White Christmas. There's a lot of scenes where they just stop to do really long dance sequences. Mm-hmm. I'm like, it's very good dancing, but it's always like very technically impressive. And yes. I got more out of Greece, which was just them being happy and having fun and being like joyous. And like, I feel like there's a lot of big positive energy there that yeah. I really love. It's like in that sequence and in the last that we go together at the end. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we go together is an insane ass song. It's also insane to have back to back songs like that. Yeah. That's a wild ass move. I mean, it's based, I wonder, well, I mean, it's just some musicals just do that. They just like, go, yeah. you know, it's like the song that's a result that wraps up the main plot. And then the song and that wraps up there, the whole movie. And since there is no plot, <laughs> just it's do just it. sounds, they're yeah. making sounds. It's a good song, but it, it is tough that, um, uh, you're the one that I want is a better song. Yes. Uh, they're both good, but like, yeah, they, they, they end with maybe the best song in the movie and then end with a pretty good song. Yeah. It's always going to be a step down. Yeah. But then they fly. I mean, and, <laughs> and they achieve flight through grease lightning. <laughs> I like that. I like that move so much. It's very that nice. it goes it goes hard into like magical realism because it is not a dream sequence. Like, okay, there are very cl- clearly indicated dream sequences in the movie, but that does not seem to be a dream sequence, or at least it doesn't have anything that indicates that. Even right. You could argue it is. Yeah. Uh, it's just a weird moment of magical realism at the end of Greece for seemingly no reason. And it's great. <laughs> Yeah, it's great. It's one of those things like people like meme about online. It's like, oh, it's so crazy. They just fly. And I'm like, well, it's a, I don't know, man. Do you, un, do you understand tone? Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> Shut up, person I invented right now to be mad at. <laughs> Greece is so funny. Yes. It is like a, I always forget how much of it is kind of like a parody or at least that level of like heightened mm-hmm. reality. Like the one character who's lighter is just fucking massive and always like when he lights his cigarette, oh, it's yeah. like a giant ass flame. Yes. <laughs> Um, like you know, like the scene where they um uh, the wrestling scene or any of the sports scene, but the yeah. wrestling scene especially is like so goofy. Yeah, the wrestling scene is really. F- I mean, just like the the shot of him looking at the chest of the giant guy and then running away. Right, really good physical comedy, good stuff. <laughs> also, I mean, I wrestled in high school, and I know a little bit about. It. It's very funny that they set it up like they they put him in a realistic like wrestling position. Yeah, it's like Greco Roman ish. Uh, is, that what that is? is that what that first position thing comes from? Okay, no. never mind. I don't know. I don't know shit about wrestling. No. Cut all uh, this out. Okay. Cut everything I say from here on out. Out. Um, but then it's like they, they basically the guy keeps pinning him in things that are not actual moves that you'd have to be so hilariously stronger than someone <laughs> to actually do. Yeah. And it's someone who's like, I, I see them sit down I'm like, oh, like they're going to do real wrestling. It's like, no, no, it's just insanity. <laughs> <laughs> so one thing, uh, hi, bro, bro. Yeah. Both these movies. Very horny, extremely <laughs> horny. Uh, the only my only critique of Greece is that it should have ended with a full penetration sex scene. I remember you texted me that, and I was like, honestly, it feels like the whole movie's leading up to that. Yeah, it might. It, like, it could. It would not be out of character. Like all these characters, it's so funny because I remember like watching Greece as like a kid, and I think a lot of people did. Mm-hmm. But this movie is like pretty much not exclusively, but very much preoccupied with just these these teenagers having sex with each other. Yes. Like there's so much. I mean, even like, I'm a, and also the. <laughs> I mean, there's also a lot of like sexual tension between like Danny and Kaniki. Um, yeah. Like when they're when he wants to be, you want to be my second for the car. It's like pretty homoerotic. They yeah. are almost kiss. Yeah. Um, they should have kissed. They should. Everyone's movie should kiss. Yeah. They're also pretty. Yeah. They should. <laughs> it should end with a full penetration orgy. Yeah, but there is. A, I mean, you know, like the big. Uh, um, 
uh, like the scene early on where Sandy goes to the sleepover with the pink ladies. Yes. Like that's, they're all kind of like talking about like hooking up with the guys. And then Rizzo just leaves to go hook up with her boyfriend. Mm-hmm. And Danny's like, I think they constantly reference them hooking up. Yeah. Uh, there's even the scene where they're in the car at the drive-in where he like comes onto her and she's like, oh no. And he's like, ah, well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone's like making out in the drive through drive-in and stuff. Yeah. It is a movie like very, it, it, I wouldn't call it radical, but it is very fun that it's looking back on like, you know, the chase fifties with like the, very obvious lens of, of course, everybody was horny in the fifties. Yeah, everybody is I horny mean, anything, for all of history. Yeah, everyone's been horny for all of history, and that is the time period when you were specifically told not to be horny all the time, which will make you ten times horny. <laughs> it just makes everything ten times hotter. Right. I don't understand why those are the rules, but those are the rules. Yeah. <laughs> That's just the way it works. Uh, I do really like the move that they actually do have sex in Greece. Yeah. Like not because it would be really easy if you're going for full like pure nostalgia just to actually depict it as a truly chaste era. Yeah. Which it wasn't. No. They uh, Yeah. They actually have sex. There's even the whole scene where they like he gets a condom. It has a hole in it. They're like, fuck it. Let's fuck anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but just bad. Yeah. Don't do that. Kids. Yeah. If, if, if you're going to have sex with a condom and then suddenly you don't have a condom, there's a reason you were going to wear a condom. That's yeah. all I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hydro hello about very pro condoms. Yeah. I always find it funny that the term for use employing a condom is to wear it like it's a shirt. <laughs> what okay, what's, just, what's, funny. what's the better term? I don't know. I mean use, but like <laughs> I like wear. I'm not saying I don't like it. It's activate. Just, activate. Yeah. Employ. Employ. Uh, I just think it's funny that you the, utilize. Utilize, yeah. The same verb for shirt or pants is also condom, as if you would just kind of go around with one on. Well, there's that South Park joke where they go to sex ed and basically they think they just have to wear condoms all the time when they yes. get pregnant, so they just wear condoms 24 7. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, so that's horny as hell. And then uh, American Graffiti, actually, this is a good highbrow, lowbrow, and ironically, because they're also very. Very preoccupied with hooking up with people. And they don't hook up as much, though. No one has sex in the movie. Does Toad and Debbie? I they think might. They, I think they're, like, just making out, and then, like, they notice the car is missing. Like, I don't uh, think they ever actually, like, consummate. Because I, I always oh, I read that as... The, that they'd had, they did have sex. Oh, uh, I read it as the joke of it just never happening for this guy. And then, uh, like, oh, well, it'll happen later, you know? Yeah. Um, although, at one point... Okay, so there is the interesting part where... The waitress kind of makes her indecent proposal to him where she's just like, we'll just have like, I just want to have, yeah. have sex with you. Like, I, it's not a romantic thing, which is quite modern. Yeah. For a, something said in 62. And yeah. that was very interesting to see. Mm-hmm. Um, the open relationship thing also felt quite modern, which is interesting. I think I don't think he's like proposing ethical non-monogamy. I think he's just sort of it's like, kinda like unethical non-monogamy, but right. it is non-monogamy. Well, he's just doing that thing. He just wants it both ways. He wants yes. to be like have his cake needed too, where it's like, I'm going to college. I want to fuck around, but I don't want to lose this girl. What if I didn't have to make a hard choice? Yeah. <laughs> what if I used my power to not make sacrifices? Yeah. Which is, it, I mean, he does propose an open relationship though. Like they, it by like definition, yeah, but yeah, he doesn't do it the right thing. Kids, there's also right ways to do an open relationship. <laughs> you got to talk about it. And everyone's got to be super duper extra on board. Otherwise, it's going to end up bad. Got to have rules. Yeah. Got to follow the rules. Yeah. Everyone, yeah, you just got, everyone's just got to be really into it. <laughs> Not the sort of thing you want to half-ass. It sounds like it's going to be easy. <laughs> and I haven't done one, but like, <laughs> so those things are like, oh yeah, cool. I got to have all the good things. Right? It's actually more work. <laughs> you know, one relationship is hard. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> Um. Yeah. So, like, American Graffiti. Like, what under- kids are we talking to? <laughs> All right. Youth of America. Yeah. Uh, American Graffiti. American Graffiti does the same thing that Superbad does. Mm. That it sort of understands that, like, when you're a kid, especially a teenager, like, 
hooking up with a girl or like having a girl pay attention to it at all mm-hmm. is like will define your whole like self-esteem for like a month yes <laughs> like that's why it's like the girl in the, in the white t-bird is such a big deal for kurt and it's why like uh toad is so like like i gotta make it happen with this girl it like it understands the emotional uh and like you know character motivations of just like you know 50s hookup culture whereas in greece it's all pretty fun yeah. You know, it's it's interesting that they're depicting it in that way, and it's progressive that they're predicting it that way. But Merrick Graffiti is really trying to like push some more interesting like psychological stuff. Yeah, I mean, doing it. Yeah, it's the weird combination of like when you're in high school and you are not necessarily very experienced with either relationships or especially sex. Then yeah. every small hint you get of it is so important, mm-hmm. and you don't know when it's going to happen again, and it means so much to you for so long. Um, combined with the 50s of people telling you not to do that and also that you should marry the first person you do that with, it just makes it blows everything so out of proportion that it's wild. Oh, yeah. It's just such a really unique like intersection of cultures there mm-hmm. that makes it all so compelling in, in American graffiti. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in Greece, they're all just like, yeah, we like fucking around and have a good time and... Uh, what is it jocks nerds none of it makes none of it matters we just change our sweaters and we're all different now <laughs> right it's like all we did we like like okay so when we were doing revel that a cause earlier i made a note like revel that cause is sort of like our differences may destroy us whereas greece is sort of like differences what differences <laughs> <laughs> just wear a different jacket you dick yeah we're all <laughs> equally horny <laughs> let's just all fuck around and do a dance yeah. the jackets don't matter because we're going to lose them all in like two minutes <laughs> we're all going to bang on our cars I mean, it is kind of sweet that it is, like the message of Greece is basically like, like that this we is, go together like blah 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 blah. Right. <laughs> well, that all of the the greasers, the pink ladies, whatever, it's all just costumes. We're yeah. all just people. Like yeah. it's it's all it's sort of like I said, it's sort of similar what American graffiti is doing. Like underneath the bluster of the culture, here's what's going on. Mm-hmm. But it's much simpler in Greece. But that's also what it's supposed to be. It's a music. It's a it's a very lighthearted musical. Yeah. That has kind of a sweet message mm-hmm. and a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Actor. Uh, Actor talk. Actor talk. Okay, starting with American Graffiti. Ron Howard. Opie. He's good. King Opie. He's not in the movie as much as I, I thought he would be. It's not about him. It's not more really. about Kurt. Yeah, Kurt really is the main character, but I do mm-hmm. like... It's just very interesting to see... He's weird casting as like the prom king to me, but maybe it's just because he's fucking Opie. Right, because we know him more as like Opie, or just as Ron Howard. Yeah. Whereas I think at the time he was maybe more of like, oh yeah, he's like an all-American, like good-looking dude. Yeah, like and that's kind of like that corn, those corn-fed good looks that everyone wanted. Yeah, I remember I saw something about him that was like, or a, like a, a special about him, and, it, and they basically mentioned that like, yeah, like he, he basically went bald. And yeah. that was hard in the 70s yes. as a movie star. And so mm-hmm. he pivoted to directing and has done a great job there. Yeah. Uh, and he's good in this movie. Yes, um, but like I said, he's not he's not in it as much considering he's like one of the top build. Mm-hmm. Uh, Richard Dreyfuss is so fucking good. Very good. Yeah. He's it's so interesting because, okay, he looks so young here. He does. Uh, two years later, he's in Jaws. Also looks young, but looks like a grown up. Does not look like a grown up here. Yeah, it's the uh, it's the beanie. Dude grew up fast. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and wore a beanie. And grew it's, the, it's the beanie and the beard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it is kind of funny. I mean, a lot of that is just like how much adulthood is just acting like an adult, which I guess the movie is partly about. Right. Or just like changing your clothes and changing your the way you talk will make you an adult. It's why like what are 20 year olds in the 50s feel like 40 year olds to us now because they just like felt the burden of being adults earlier than we do yeah they all wore suits and had like 10 children by age 30 yeah Yeah. you gotta you gotta make you a grown-up yeah (laughs) those are the that's a rule for sure yeah after nine your ninth kid after that grown-up yeah up to nine eh, yeah maybe maybe 
Depends. Are you wearing a suit? Depends on if you have a beanie or not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dreyfus is so good. He's such a good actor. Yeah. Um, love him. In the, great. Good 70s for Dreyfus. Yeah. Um, Harrison Ford. We talked I about. love Harrison Ford. You I, don't like him. It's fine. I think he's just a bit broad for what this movie's doing. Yeah. Um, but he's good. He's fun. Mm-hmm. But it's a very different like thing. Yeah. Um, but he's great. I mean, he, he is very fun. And it's just quite of fun to see Harrison Ford. It's He has that weird... It's not a heel turn because he's always the heel, but he has this moment where he like basically threatens... Oh, my God. I already forgot the character. Lori. Lori. He threatens Lori to stay in the car with him, which is... Bad. It's it's very bad. It's very <laughs> aggressive. It makes him like a it goes from kind of this like new in town tough guy to a full on villain, which is an interesting move. Yeah. Um uh other actor, uh, Paul Lamott. Lamat. John. <laughs> Wait. John, John Milner. Oh, he's Milner. Milner's yeah, yeah. great. Sorry, I was I was not trying to pronounce the name. Lemat, perhaps? Oh, maybe if he's French and fancy. Uh he's he's fantastic. His hair is interesting to me. Compared to Greece, because Greece, I mean, it, that, <laughs> it is like the is like classic. Like this is like the like apples to apples. Like what is high? What is like the different types of nostalgia? Where it's like in Greece, it's like this beautiful sculpted huge hair that is like the most dramatic, visually pleasing version of the fifties. Right. And him, it's the guy who is trying to do that same haircut but doesn't have enough hair to do it. Yeah, doesn't so have the just, hair, doesn't have the money to like yeah. do all that. So it just comb. Yeah, it doesn't have like the three hours it takes every morning to do that. So he just has it combed back. So he has the he has the same hairstyle as John Travolta, right. but is the like more realistic version of it. Weirdly, uh, speaking speaking of the hair, a great great moment in Greece is when um, uh, Danny and his friend, whose whose name you know, Kaniki, yes, uh, Kaniki, Kaniki asks him to be his like second, and yeah. they like hug and they're like, all happy, and then they suddenly realize they're like, being too affectionate as men, and they like very quickly like disentangle and like do their hair again they're like acting all cool and yeah shit. <laughs> it's very very really? aware of the performative aspects of masculinity yeah i mean the cult has taken the world for a movie that is called grease but <laughs> hair plays a very important po- role in character development in the movie grease yes <laughs> uh uh, going going back through American Graffiti, Charles Martin Smith is Toad. He's good. He's good. He's uh the one fu- thing I find funny is that he's that that there's the nerd character in Robot Chicken that seems to be a direct parody of him <laughs> his character in this movie. Uh, and uh, last shout out uh, Mackenzie Phillips as Carol. Carol's the um the thirteen year old who ends up in Milner's car. Carol's one of the best parts of the movie. I yeah. think Carol and Debbie are two of my favorite parts of the movie. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Carol especially so so many great lines, so mm-hmm. many great moments. Like again, like just like it's sort of a she has the biggest arc of any of the female characters. I think yeah. like she, her meeting Milner is like really good for her and her self-esteem and her like understanding. She just need to grow up as fast as she wants to. Right. Yeah. She's quite complex as a character. Cause she, I mean, partly is like the promise of childhood is that she could be anything. She hasn't really locked into what her role is yet. She's like, kind of like not like a popular kid. She's kind of maybe a little bit nerdier, but she kind of just feels like she's kind of this clay that can be sculpted into something. Yeah. And eventually she just like ends up like, I just want to go home. Yeah. I think like this is a great, I, I'm really glad I saw the world through your eyes, John Milner. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but really, really good performance. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, she went on, I looked up, just have a very long career. Okay. Um, pivoting to Greece. Uh, less, I let no less of these actors, but John Travolta. Holy shit. John Travolta. Oh my God. So he is, like I said, so attractive in this movie. I Such mean, a good dancer in this movie. Yeah. But also really, really funny, good, like very good comedic performance. I mean, yes, the, all the stuff, like all the stuff, the basketball stuff is like a masterclass in just comedic <laughs> acting. Yeah. It's so great when they're like, yeah, like it's nice when the pretty people are funny. I know. God, it must have been so hard to shoot this movie because everyone would have had just such a huge raging boner the entire time. <laughs> Everything is a, is a waste up shot. Yeah. 
God, yeah, he's so funny there. Like his coat switching with with Sandy the first time he sees yes. her is hilarious. Um, just, just the way he says Sandy is really funny. Yeah, it's Sandy. Sandy. <laughs> Um, it really good, really mm-hmm. good performance. Olivia Newton-John, I think she's very good. Uh, um, I find it funny that they just wrote in that she's Australian because they're like, yeah, we're not going to make her try to do an accent. Yeah, it's fine. Whatever. Yeah. yeah, you never see a movie in the fifties about an Australian person moving to California, and she doesn't have like the thickest Australian. Like, there's really only a few times when I was like, oh right, she's Australian. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but she's good. Like we we mentioned, it's really not her movie as much, mm-hmm. but she, I mean, she's great. Yeah, uh, no doubt. Uh, Stockard Channing is Rizzo. Great. Fucking rules. So good. The best part of the movie, <laughs> in so my good. opinion. Yeah, she's really good. It is also funny how she's kind of got kind of the mean girl stuff going on early where she's like she engineers the moment where they Danny and uh what what's her nuts? Sandy? Sandy. <laughs> I, I know. Whatever. Or Danny and Sandy meet. Yeah. Um, because that was all kind of her engineering that for maximum, maximum emotional pain <laughs> right this is a movie about like a bunch of like bizarre like puppets and like puppy like very like very like goofy one-dimensional characters and also rizzo who's a <laughs> human being who is just like i guess i live in this world yeah i have to make tough decisions but also i will destroy everyone <laughs> uh she's just so great just yeah. like confident awesome smart interesting three-dimensional character yeah i love to see it uh, and then uh, I also like Frenchie a lot. Frenchie's great. I got to look up the actress. I know she's also famous. I just forgot to before. Uh, she's a little bit of an easier character in that she doesn't have as much. She doesn't have as much interiority, it feels like, but she is also just very funny and very winning. And I liked her a lot. Yeah. Uh, Dee Dee Khan mm. is her name. Good stuff. Yeah. Uh, uh, real quick side note. Uh, this I think a lot of this was shot at Venice High School, which is. It looks it looks very similar to the high school I went to, so I was getting heavy flashbacks to high school throughout Greece. Oh yeah, I wonder what because you know all the high schools in like movies that they film are like these, uh, you know, these California high schools with like the outdoor lockers. Yeah, does that just like always because that always read, read reads really weird to me when someone pointed it out because that's not a thing in most of the world. Oh, so that's what that's what my lockers were like. It's like I don't know, my high school is all like the half indoor, half outdoor stuff. Like half the hallways were like kind of like had a third wall missing. Right. Um, so I don't know what, for me, it's like, I've never been to a high school as like the big brick, like the big building with multiple floors in it where it's all enclosed. Right. That's where I grew up. I grew up in, in New York and it, it snowed. Yeah. Quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. So I remember for me, like I took my, when I took my SATs, it was at, is that some school that was more like had that layout where it was like a big building? I think it was. I don't know. I can't remember which high school it was, mm-hmm. but it was just for me. I was like, oh, weird. It's like I'm in a John Hughes movie. It's all one building <laughs> and we're like inside. So that was like my, that was my opposite moment. <laughs> um, OK, last last bit of actor talk, uh, unless you have other ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just want to shout out Eddie Deason, who plays Eugene, the nerd who has like two lines in Greece. Oh, yeah, <laughs> because he's also was the nerd in War Games. Funny. And he plays he's the voice of Mandark on Dexter's Lab as well as like a million other voice acting roles. Uh, and he's, oh, he's one of those guys who pivoted to voice acting. Yeah, but he's yeah. just played the nerd from I guess from around the late seventies until he retired. I looked at he looks like he retired recently. Oh, okay. Um and just want to shout out that dude. Like what a career. I'm just like being like, yeah, I'm a weird nerdy dude. I'm just gonna play weird nerdy dudes. Yeah. I'm gonna be the fucking best at it. Yeah. <laughs> love it. He I was we were debating earlier off mic about whether he was influenced by Toad or not. Right. Because there's this weird thing where it's like Greece as a play predates American Graffiti as a movie, but yeah. Greece the movie is like five years after Greece after Graffiti? Uh, uh yeah, three, four, four years, five years, something. It's seventy seven and seventy three. Yeah. Yeah. So and then depending on like what, what when was in production when, yeah, you know, uh, if that character exists on the stage show, which there's no reason to, but he is funny. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, there, I really, it's almost like a payoff for him where they're doing Cream the Teacher. And <laughs> throw it. more, there's a, a, yeah, a point of comparison between the two movies. The teacher does get creamed in American Graffiti. Uh, they're throwing pie, in Greece. They're throwing pies at the teacher. Anyway, at yeah. like a big fair they're having. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then like so like Eugene the nerd like throws a pie at the coach. Yeah, and they're like, oh wow, you got a great arm. Maybe you could be a pitcher. And they're like, oh, is this like a he's not going to get bullied anymore moment for him? Then they just immediately smack him in the face of the pie. Yeah, and walk away. <laughs> and he's not. And he's just sort of like, yeah, sure, whatever. Like, Bitch, you don't get dreams. <laughs> You're a nerd, and this is the fifties. Yeah, uh, he's great. Wanted to shout him out. Um, in general, I mean, we talked about this a little bit. The casting of these two movies mm-hmm. is really emblematic of the high brow of what they're doing. Whereas yeah. in American Graffiti, they need to look like kids, at yeah. least to an extent. Yeah, they yeah they're still older just because you. It, it's work. hard to cast high school kids because they can't. Stupid lazy fuckers can't work as much for <laughs> but, legal reasons, right? For good legal reasons. Yes, we don't want them to work too much. No. Uh, so they're yeah. So American Graffiti is very much going for a verisimilitude where. Grease, they're just like, fuck, let's just get some pretty grown-ups, put them in fucking greaser jackets. Yeah. Yeah, like their high school has like an auto shop where they spend all day we, building we a We had car. an auto shop. Really? Yeah. Oh, maybe it's a California thing. Or maybe it's just more common. It, we did not. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, our, our school did have an auto shop where you can... I think it's also like, it's partly like a vocational thing where like you could learn to be a mechanic. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But yeah, maybe that's more of a... Maybe that's more... Because, I mean, LA has more of a car culture. Oh, yeah. So maybe it's more of a West Coast thing. Yeah. But basically saying they're not really trying to accurately depict anything about high school in <laughs> yeah. this movie they never i don't think they go to class or if they do it's like very brief certainly the no scenes of them in class no. <laughs> i mean they're really mostly concerned with like going to the dance and making fun of the football team <laughs> yeah <laughs> i love that the football team is like are the nerds of this movie yeah yeah it is, <laughs> it's it so is funny. Really funny yeah and then like him learning to like get in touch with his emotions is him becoming a football player becoming like a football player right yeah I mean, he just letters in track. Yeah, I love that. The only thing he's not—he the only thing he's—he's he's, he's not dumb enough for, it, or he's not too dumb for—is running. Yeah, he anything can't even, with rules can't do right because he just immediately gets like fighty with people. Should have done boxing. Yeah. <laughs> they tried wrestling, wasn't good enough. Yeah. All right, wrapping up. Uh, any last thoughts on these? Both very good movies. It's nice when they're both good. Yeah, I'll say. Uh, if you haven't seen American Graffiti, check out American Graffiti. I will say it's like two hours long and uh, pretty aimless, so just kind of be prepared for that. But if you're on board, it's going to be great. Yeah, very episodic, very hangout movie, very, mm-hmm. you know, just like a bunch of, bunch of kids on their last night at home, that kind of thing. Uh, but like, I, I compare it to Superbad, although like Superbad Super is, is much more plotty. Yes. Yeah, it's very much like they constantly have a task they need to accomplish. Yeah. Um, whereas this one, not so much. I like Days and Confused, I guess. Yeah. Castle Revive. But... I haven't seen Days and Confused. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but really great, really smart, and, and just really smart on nostalgia in general. And mm-hmm. uh, Grease, completely different in how it's using nostalgia, but I think that's really interesting. I yeah. think just that's kind of thinking about just different ways of looking back in time in general and yeah. grappling with the past and Greece is hilarious yeah. and funny with good songs and good acting and beautiful people it's great also if you like cars at all watch American Graffiti because it is like a love letter to the automobile in America oh yeah the the first time you know they the very long sequence at the beginning when it's just everybody in their cars like kind of like chirping at each other yeah. side by side yeah very fun it's funny just how much of this movie takes place literally inside of a car yeah um which is also like if you've ever worked in production that is very difficult yeah it's a huge pain in the ass to shoot like it's funny because like when you're a writer you're trying to if you're trying to think of you know easy scenes to write or cheap scenes to write you're like yeah those would be driving somewhere that's like must be easy because it's just like two people in a very small room right yeah uh it's a huge pain in the dick and it's actually quite expensive <laughs> uh all right and also yeah and also like this the 
there's a lot of like good car choreography of like oh them next to each other yeah. yeah them next to each other in the street and the kind of the way that Harrison Ford kind of creeps up on him and then he tries to like speed up and he creeps around him I don't know, there's a lot of good choreography and it's really interesting how like kind of grungy it is mm-hmm. whereas like you know Grease is like Grease Lightning going on races yeah 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 and this is just sort of like slowly side, just just driving yeah which is insane to me when I'm in a car all I'm thinking about is I hope I get to where I'm going so I can not be in this car anymore <laughs> and I, like, I enjoy I, I enjoy driving a lot more than you do. <laughs> I'm in the wrong city for this shit. Yeah. Uh, also, I guess the other thing is that all almost all the movie takes place at night, where Greece is not as much at night. Yeah, yeah. Greece is very much. I mean, there's like I think there's like the pepper alley or whatever, and then mm-hmm. there's um, the dance, I guess, and then the drive-in. But that's really it. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it. I mean, it's a bright movie. Yeah. It is bright and peppy and happy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's play a game. Good. All right. We're gonna play the Letterbox List game. Letterbox is a social media app for movies. We are going to pick a list that contains one of the movies from this, and I'm going to try to get Josh to guess as many movies from the list as possible in a minute and a half. I am not allowed to say. Directors, quotes, actors, or the title. All right. What is the list this time? Uh, nothing happens. Yeah, but the vibes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I've seen this. I don't, I've never looked at it. But I've seen this list on the letterbox. Yeah, before. it says movies without a strong central plot or a typical three-act structure where instead it's mostly just characters wandering around, talking, making connections, and living life heart emoji. Got to imagine American Graffiti. Yes, well. okay. it is American Graffiti. Um, I've also sorted it by movies I've seen, so it's going to be... Uh, it's not every movie on the list. Let's see. All right. Ready? Set. Go. Uh, it is a animator that you love, very simple animation style. Uh, Don Don Havel. But the second one. Uh, uh, World of Tomorrow 2? Yeah. Okay. Um, a girl jumps out of a car. It is a more recent movie. Oh, oh Ladybird. Yeah. Uh, movie I've seen like 20 times. Once upon a time in Hollywood. Yeah. Uh, kid. Kid is working for a very famous magazine. Uh, Man Picture Dream Almost Girl. famous. Yeah. Uh, guys in LA, kind of. It's a hangout. They're all hangout movies. He's a failed actor. It's got. Oh no, you're not gonna know it. Okay, it's got. They go to Vegas at one point. Swingers. Yeah. Okay. Uh, baseball team in Texas by the director. Everybody wants them. Yep. Uh, it is an early movie by a very mannered director, but it's like his least mannered movie. It's also in Texas. The guy's also from Austin. Bottle rocket. Yeah. Uh. Same same Texas director as before, but it's one one kid's life. The whole shot over like twenty years. Oh oh, same director as before. Oh oh, boyhood. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I thought yeah. it was Wes Anderson. Like damn. Yeah, based on based on a book about a group of uh, group of young uh, female people, and uh, this is kind of all their story. Oh shit. Okay, next one. <laughs> Giant Sister, Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. No, okay. it's older. Uh, it's uh, it's period. Little win, yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Next one, giant asteroids coming to Earth is by a director who's known for gross out movies. Oh, don't look up. No, it's the other uh, director who's known for really intense ass movies. Oh, intense ass movies. Oh, oh, Armageddon. No, another one. <laughs> intense like gross. Okay, that's time. Okay, what, it's what? melancholia. Oh, oh, I have not Lar- seen. the director is Lars von Trier. Have not seen melancholia. Yeah. Uh, nine. All right, so that's kind of like our uh, event horizon for <laughs> how far we can get in these things. <laughs> what was the one I that you skipped that I wasn't getting, or did we end up? Oh no, it was Swingers. It was swingers. Be. Swingers is hard to describe. Yeah. So uh, funny when have you, you said, seen Swingers, I have not. Okay. When you said the directors before, but it's like Boyhood, I was like, did Wes Anderson do a Boyhood movie? That would be so interesting. I would love that. It I would, mean, almost Grand Budapest. <laughs> that would be really hard to film. Like for Wes, because oh, if he actually did the production process of following one kid around, right? The only link later, he can just like fly down, find Austin, get the actors, get a camera, film, right? Yeah. Like very much like 
naturalistic yeah. filmmaking. Whereas it would be hard for Wes to like build, rebuild, and break down the sets every year for it, like a day of filming. It's also funny because it'd be like the highest effort for the least payoff because everything would be so mannered and kind of like steeped in like kind of like the sixties that it would not look that different. He would just get older, right? It's, it would be interesting, but it would be like he might be the worst director cut out for a boyhood. Yeah, uh, Soderbergh <laughs> might be the one to do it. I mean, yeah, Soderbergh can do anything. Soderbergh could do a boyhood in his sleep. He just needs an iPhone. <laughs> like if Soderbergh said, like, yeah, I've been doing a boy, I've been doing a boyhood since like the 1800s. I'm actually an ageless being. I'd be like, yeah, all right, tracks. Show me the uh, shot it on an iPhone. <laughs> yeah, shot. I brought an iPhone back through my time portal. I made. <laughs> right. He has a time portal company in addition to his like uh, Bolivian rum or whatever it is. Oh, um, I didn't know about his Bolivian rum. That's fun. Oh yeah, it's like Singani. I th- that might not be Bolivian. It's like basically wherever he filmed Che. Um, what, yeah, it's Bolivian. Yeah, okay. they filmed they filmed Shea in Bolivia, and Bolivia has this uh, brandy called Singani. And Steven Soderbergh was like, "This is fucking great. I love drinking this." And he's like, "They don't sell it in the U.S., so he created a company love to it. sell it in the U.S. Love it. It's good." Uh, okay, wait. Let's let's look through some. I'm gonna look through the movies that I didn't have on here because I hadn't seen them. Uh, something called Weekend from 2011, Monsoon from 2019. Uh, Weekend is a is good. It is a um. Uh, it's a gay love story, basically. Oh. It's like these just these two guys meet each other this weekend, and one of them's leaving, and it's a uh, really beautiful movie. That sounds nice. Yeah. Take Me Somewhere Nice, 2019. Never heard of it. End of the Century, 2019. These are all very... Oh, Before Sunrise? Oh, of course, yeah. I mean, all those all those movies, the befores. Yeah. Uh, Palo Alto, Stolen Kisses, My Name is Baghdad, Tree of Life. Tree of Life. I mean, yeah, sure. A lot of vibes. Very yeah. vibe-heavy movies. <laughs> a lot of vibe-heavy movies. Uh, yeah, I mean, I like Hangout movies. And Breathless must be on here. I'm sure. It has to be. Yeah, I mean, hangout movies are great. Vibe movies are great. You know, I think, but I think once upon Hollywood, once upon a time in Hollywood, got dinged a little bit when it came out because people expect people really thought it was going to be like Inglorious Bastards, but the Mansons. Yeah, and, and it ended up being not at all that, except a little bit at the end. Yeah, it's more of a, yeah. I mean, and that is why I love it is because I find hangout movies are the movies that I can just watch over and over and over because I can just kind of tune in and out at will. Yeah, if I've seen it once already. Uh, yeah, fantastic. Uh, maybe, I mean, could we do a highbrow, lowbrow hangout movies? Is there a, what's the lowest brow hangout movie? Clerks. <laughs> oh, that might be interesting doing Clerks versus Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> clerks, I would call that a hangout movie, right? Like, they're not doing anything. They're just hanging out. They're pretty literally hanging out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. I think that's a wrap on mid-century nostalgia. Mm. Um, Cooper, what should the people do at home? Rate, review, subscribe. Oh, we got a review. Thank you. For that listener who gave us a kind of mixed review, but we appreciate five stars. It. Yeah. We got a five star review. Actually, wait, let's read this review because it's kind of funny because it is uh, a little bit of a backhanded compliment. I really appreciate. It. I thought it was very much done with love. Yeah, that was my read. I thought it was a very. I'm very unironically very grateful for the review. <laughs> wait, let me let me. Let me I'm find scanning it. back to find it. We text. Okay, here we, we go. text so much. Uh, the only thing more staggering than the number of films these two know is the sheer number of famous films they haven't seen. <laughs> Some of the hot takes are breathtaking. <laughs> With those things combined, while those things combined drive me crazy, I thoroughly enjoy listening to them. By conflicted listener, uh, Boris Takoy. So thank you, Boris Takoy. Yeah, un- uh, we'll work on we'll work on seeing more movies. Although we've seen a lot of movies, which is the funny part. But. Yeah, un- unironically, thank you for listening. Oh and yeah, we really do appreciate the review, and we appreciate the five stars, and we will tirelessly work on more breathtaking hot takes and seeing more movies yeah uh and to everyone thank you for listening thank you so much uh yeah and also thanks for everybody who's been uh interacting with us on instagram it's always really nice to hear from you guys if you ever want to have any suggestions or omission or like talk about any omissions or any ideas for no brows we have a 
phone number. You can call and leave a voicemail if you want. If you are comfortable with that, we can also play it on the podcast. Uh, if you don't want us to play it, just say that in the voicemail. And uh, thanks for being listeners. And goodbye forever. Bye forever.